This is the Shenandoah Down Under podcast. In the final days of the American Civil War, the CSS Shenandoah set out on an epic year-long secret mission. Join your Australian hosts, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien, as they follow the last Confederate cruiser on its quest to find and sink the Yankee whaling fleet, wherever on the high sea they may find them. And hello, and this is Shenandoah Down Under, or Confederate Pirates Save the Whales, with Rob and Mob, or Robert Love and Michael O'Brien. And uh, for, good for morning, the, everyone. Good morning, everyone. And for the for this for our second week, uh, we are joined by our friend John Coleman, um, who is uh, researching his uh, soon to be forthcoming podcast on the Hundred Years' War, and he seems to be researching at the moment by by, by looking at what we do and probably taking notes as to uh, exactly uh, what not to do. But um, John John didn't say a whole lot in our last episode, but he he got a very good line in hand gestures. And there was one point where we were talking about um, the stress ball used by Captain Quig on the, the uh, K mutiny. mutiny, and I said, did they have stress balls back in the nineteen fifties? And John nodded vigorously while giving a squeezing a stress ball uh, impression. That was, it, it, I had to to say it in words because it was it was champagne podcasting. Um, now this is um, our Ocean's twelfth episode, except I think we need nine more guys, um, and it's also our very special Christmas episode. So. Um, Will there be good fellowship and unity among all men? Uh, spoil up, John shaking his head. Spoiler, Michael. Well, not really. Not really. Um, Whittle in his in his log does describe it as this is indeed a merry Christmas. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of that's due to the fact that they've just slaughtered a hundred and twenty pound hog. Oh, that's that's a lot of hog. Um, but um, look, before before we we're getting ahead of ourselves with the freshly dressed pig carcass, we'll just have a very quick. The story so far. So the CSS Shenandoah is heading off towards Australia, uh, having left Liverpool on October the 9th, taking a number of prizes in the Atlantic. They've taken eight so far, I Eight so far, um, and taken their... Yes, go, go, go Team Confederate. Oh, I, I didn't say that. Oh, dear. And at, uh, at, at what I mispronounced as Tristan de Cunha... <laughs> Uh, a no, couple of weeks ago. I think you mispronounced it as Tristan de Kahuna. Oh, I think I'm still talking about the West Indian uh, bowler, I think. Uh, yes, yeah, that does team. sound like a, like a West Indian bowler. Um, they, they did capture their first whaler, which was very yes, exciting. Well, which, had, which had just killed a, a southern right whale. but uh, So they, they didn't save that whale, but they did save all the whales that that, that, that ship would have taken. Um, so they, they have gone, gone round uh, the, uh, the, the bottom of Africa, the Cape of Good Hope, and... While only uh, Captain Waddell knows this, um, they are heading off towards Melbourne, Australia. So um, now um, we have a, a section in our podcast, uh, additions, amendments, attributions and errors. But um, we'd like to have a, uh, a little bit more discussion um, about uh, the feud that Captain Waddell and Captain Little had uh, the last week, 150 years ago. And could you just get us uh, back up to speed on that feud, Mike? The feud basically came about because the captain countermanded uh, the orders that had been given by his first officer. Mm. And in particular... The first time this came up, and uh, Mr. Whittle was very unhappy about this, was when he had the arrangement of the sails that he had put in place changed. 
that was bad enough. But the second time, uh, the captain sent up a uh, master's mate to relieve a commissioned lieutenant on the watch. And uh, Mr. Whittle did not like that at all. He found it an affront. He thought that this would be something that... uh, would be complained about vigorously to the Secretary of the Navy if it ever came uh, back to their attention. And the the issue was eventually resolved by Captain Waddell completely backing down, uh, Cap- uh, begging yes. not to talk about this ever again. And and and, um, and, and, and vigorously squeezing his stress balls if he had them. And, and rolling. Uh, yes, rolling up. We're, we're getting the stress ball squeezing uh, impression from both Michael and, and John at the moment. Um, but um, off, off here, John, um, you had some, some very interesting things to say about this. I was amazed by the strength of language of, um, of Whittle. I felt the word ruinous yes. um, used against your senior officer. Like captain. Yes. Is, it's a dramatic word. And of the time, um, I would have thought it, it's a word, it's a dueling word. It's, yes. um, it's, it's suggesting um, that uh, their, very, their very purpose, their very uh, function was um, at peril. And what it caused me to think about um, was the, the particular and rather romantic but also um, emblematic role of the, cap, of the officer yes. in the Confederate Army. Yes. The sense of the officer, their sense of place, their sense of class. They, they were typically coming from the landed class. The, the um, planter class. Exactly. Um, and they, are, they would often identify themselves as... It, it was a birthright. They were born yes. into a class. The 1% of the time. Yes. Well, and, and they saw themselves... Because in, um, in, in Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, he has a whole chapter basing, making fun of the way that the, the southern, southern planter class actually saw themselves as an actual aristocracy. So, so if, if, we, if we just think back to the, the very words he used, he said that he considered what was done by the captain uh, to do an immense amount of evil, evil, which is a very strong piece of words. The captain, uh, when when Lieutenant Chu complained to him, said that he would not consider him competent and would neither respect the person or the commission. Mm-hmm. And them's fighting words from the captain, that's, too. That's... It's extremely strong language. It's... Um... And again, I was thinking about the place of the ship. This is the Confederacy on water. Yes. So they are representing the Confederacy there and then. And the I think it also comes back to uh, the sense of the purpose of the war and the justness of the war, even the religious righteousness of the war. And that that is all around keeping people in their designated places. Yes as they believed was right to nature and right to God. Now, for uh, Waddell to potentially undermine that by giving by undermining the designated officer Chu and putting in place an undesignated officer begins to break down, in, in part, uh, the, the um, sense of, um, of the righteousness of the war. From the potentially, I'm I'm adding a lot to. Oh well, no, I, I think you're I think you're 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 running with it and seeing the symbolic portent. So no. I'd say Waddell's argument would be that he's doing it for the safety of the ship, yes. given that they're mm. in the roaring forties yes. or screaming fifties at the at the time. Yes, um, I 
and I think this also goes back to um, Waddell was a 41er in that he had been a midshipman before the mast, before the naval training school at Annapolis was um, uh, brought into being. So that, that's the, um, the equivalent of West Point. So before, before Annapolis was, um, was founded in 1841, I believe the school existed before then, but it became the Naval Academy in 1841. Um, Midshipmen served their term before the mast, and, and they learned their their their. So it was ship. more an apprenticeship. It was an apprenticeship. So I think I think whereas Chu all... didn't. He he'd been at the naval academy, so he'd done it through book learning. <laughs> um, but so so Waddell, so well Waddell had been through that, and I think I think Waddell saw a sailor as as your ability to sail as being more important than than what family you came from, and I think um. Uh, look, Waddell, Waddell certainly didn't come from a poor family, but um, there are indications in his um, in his memoirs he was um, adopted by his grandfather, which is, uh, and I'm kind of one. Well, I'm wondering actually if Waddell was illegitimate, because again, he he fought his duel when he was a new midshipman. Um, now and, them's fighting words. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Whittle's claim was uh, was leading to a duel. Uh, look, I, 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 I might try and it, it, it's, it's just a. Under what circumstances would you be um, adopted by your your grand grandfather? Because there's there's no he doesn't say his mother dies, mm. which would be an absolute you know, reason reason for that. But and one I think that that you would say. Um, but I think also um, looking at this, I guess symbolically, in in that um, Whittle is convinced that, that when he trices up a man and. Again and again, he trices up a man, and after a couple of hours of tricing, that he's been hung from your thumbs while only your toes are touching the ground. Um, the offender becomes like a lamb. And this again goes back, the Confederacy was convinced that physical punishment would make a change in somebody for the better. And it's difficult for us now to realise they actually did believe that that let's just, just go straight to the worst example, that whipping a slave would, would make that slave a better slave. And one of the things about the Civil War that, that I always find um, quite unbelievable is that um, at the start of the war, the Southerners actually thought it a big advantage that they had plantations with slaves because their idea was the whites would be able to leave the plantations and the slaves would continue to work the plantations and provide the food and the, the, the cotton that they needed. And they didn't realise that as soon as the whites left the plantations, the blacks did too. And, and they would escape over to the Union side where they would um, uh, very quickly... Um, there was a great market on the Union side for when escaped slaves came over, they would be employed to dig the fortifications and, and do the, um, the, prep, the war preparation. And, and they, were, they were given a wage. Um, now, they perhaps weren't being treated in the way that we would describe as well, but it was certainly better uh, than they were being treated on the South. And uh, the ones that couldn't escape, who were back on the plantations, as soon as uh, most the of overseers the, the left. overseers and drivers left, they didn't exactly put their uh, heart and soul into their, no. their cotton-picking work. No, no, so, so but, but the thing is... The, the, the... Which is actually why um, the South was very keen to bring in as many Irish immigrants as they could as well. During the during the war. Oh, okay. So, so they they could they they could be the the the, the poor whites. Yes. Yes. And be day labourers. It was actually cheaper in one sense at a time, particularly down on the docks in uh, New Orleans and so on, to have uh, Irish day labourers doing all the hard lifting work than the uh, than the slaves. 
So, so, so and, and Whittle does not seem to notice because he's grown up in a society that so so I guess prizes physical punishment. I mean, I mean, whips um, were basically common gifts. You know, you 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 you, you give your plant a friend a, a nice new whip for Christmas. Um, but yes, Whittle never seems to realise that while his sailors are like lambs after a couple of hours of tricing. They're, they're back getting drunk again and back before him the next day. As, as is, is going to happen just before, before, before Christmas. He does write that uh, he is going to keep doing this. Yes. He's going to break them. He's going or, to break uh, them. You know, he's going he's gonna to break his own neck in, in trying to do so. Oh dear! So he's uh, he's definitely got it in his mind that that's that's the way to do it. He's doubled down, and then he's doubled down again. He actually uh, does it to the gunner just oh, okay. before Christmas as well, because he discovers, and this is a very very dangerous thing, that the guns had not been triced up properly themselves. Sorry, that the guns hadn't been hung from their from their <laughs> thumbs, and uh, no no no. How do you trice up a gun? Uh, well, uh, the, the correct word, and this is a great one for Scrabble, I believe, it's called the coins that you uh, stick the coins. in to okay. uh, keep them in place in heavy weather. And these hadn't been done properly, and the gunner answered him intemperately when he was uh, when he was told that he hadn't done it properly so the gunner had to get triced up then to, oh. to come to, to come to his senses we then have a egregious case of drunkenness just before uh, Christmas oh, as well before Christmas can't you get drunk at Christmas I mean. well what had what had actually happened is uh, one of the uh, master's mates had been saving up his tots of rum yes. So instead of actually having your tot every day when you're supposed to do it, somehow he's, he'd been uh, saving them all up so that he could have a nice blinder the, on the Christmas is, Eve. I, I thought your rum ration was, was something along the lines of half a pint of grog a day. So <laughs> uh, oh, that sounds enough to... I think I could have a blinder myself on, on, half, on half a pint of grog, but I guess uh, they, they, were, they, well, they were well used to it. Well, he says that they'd been saving up their daily tots for a grand blowout Christmas. <laughs> oh. Oh, dear. I think, I think Whittle, Whittle is a bit of a hard ass. I think. Yes, well, you know what? Um, it was the last spree these worthies were going to have as I ordered their grog stopped. Oh dear! Which must have been pretty rotten just before Christmas. Just before as well. Christmas. Oh, the, the, our, our very special Christmas episode is, is is not going too well so far. It's, 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 do we have any any Christmas? Uh, no, no, by the way, I, I should say that um, while this is a very special Christmas episode, um, uh, we're not in fact recording it on Christmas Day when no doubt we will um, be with our family. Yes, but, uh, in fact, uh, Whittle describes it as a very miserable Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, but but things improved on Christmas. Day, what happened you know. was a very very big wave came in at one point and pretty much got everything wet below decks. Oh dear, which must have been a bit uh, miserable. It sounds to me absolutely classic Christmas. I think it's going swimming. <laughs> we have the members of a close family all arguing bitterly. Yes, yes. Um, corporal punishment being thrown around merrily. Uh, excessive application of um, religious. Uh, Sentiment, yeah, and uh, and judgment, um, and um, an enormous amount of pig, um, and enough water to make the whole thing hogwash, and, and enormous amounts of alcohol. Yes. yes. Oh, and by the way, um, uh, just just reading carefully here, I understand it's the junior officers that have been saving up. Oh <laughs> dear. And that's why uh, Whittle actually points out that uh, he never felt so. Uh, 
attempted in his life to pitch it and thrash them well. Well, yeah, because what it, they did. It, it, he probably could thrash another officer, or at least they could they could get in the ring and, and have it out. Because because yeah, 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 short of fighting a duel, you could you could you could fight a man, but um, but the executive officer could not, of course, himself um, chastise a, 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 an enlisted man. This is certainly a very miserable Christmas Eve. He writes, and it is a night upon which. Each one and all of us know that in our far distant homes our dear ones are wondering where we, the absent spirits, are. God grant that they are all well and give them all his blessing and guidance. I am sure my own dear Patty has thought of me more than once tonight. Often when he's uh, writing about tricing beatings and floggings, he comes back to his dear Patty. Look, I, I, think, I think we've had this discussion before, and that, that he, look, he, he talks about his dear Patty in almost every entry, but he also trices people in, all the, in almost every entry. So I think correlation does not prove causation. And, two passions. Yeah, he, yes, he has, he has two passions in his life. He's, he's, no, three, I think. He's, his dear Patty, his, his, his God, and, and discipline aboard the Shenandoah. And the cause, the Confederacy. And, so, so that was Christmas Eve. Christmas okay. Eve, as you say, John, I think was was pretty pretty miserable. It was it was a family affair. So, what happens on Christmas Day? So they're at forty two degrees fifty seven minutes south. Okay, so they haven't gone much further south, but presumably they've gone a fair bit more east. Fifty three degrees twenty five minutes east. Okay, so they've gone about. Mind you, this is this is only. Um, a few days since our last episode because we're doing a very special Christmas episode. Um, I make that um, they've gone 10 degrees east and if my research on Wikipedia... It's 254 miles. I was just about to say it's 1,000 kilometres, which is nowhere near 254 <laughs> miles. So I'm glad you went to the source and uh, did not rely on, uh, on my mental arithmetic. And Christmas Day, I'm afraid the weather was pretty miserable. No, oh, that would be bad. So, so have we got... There was such a gale, in fact, that uh, the Christmas dinner, the weather was so bad they couldn't enjoy it much. They drank to success of the noble cause, and then he restored the gunner to duty. So, you know, that's pretty rough that you put the gunner in in, uh, in punishment and you do it after Christmas Day. So I wonder if he got any pork and crackling. Now, there was... Um... There was a list. Now, now Charles, of course, it might be in, might be in there because uh, that, that's Whittle, but uh, there being Whittle's memoirs. I'll hold um, it up to the uh, uh, Yes, a like traditional it. holding up of the source of the microphone. Uh, but um, uh, Surgeon Lining actually gave a uh, description of all of the, the food that they had for Christmas dinner. So they, they had the 120-pound pig. Uh, they, had, they had goose. Um, they had chickens. They had um, beef, which uh, would not have been obviously fresh beef, but would have been um, fresh Beef, beef in barrels. So they had basically every different variety of Probably meat. still some of the tomato soup and, uh, uh, yes. and tinned lobster uh, left uh, as well. But yeah, they, 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 might, they might have got through the tinned lobster. But um, um, so did this. Last week we talked about the, the visit to Melbourne of the, the Steve Irwin, which is the, 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 the nearest possible um, modern uh, equivalent to the, the CSS Shenandoah. But um, I think I also mentioned that the, uh, the Steve Irwin is a vegan ship. So uh, for, for their Christmas dinner... Let's, down, con- let's contrast, huh? So I think they'll be having uh, from these vegetable shazlicks. Um, I think they'll be... Mung beans and tofu. Mung beans and tofu. I think they'll probably be having Christmas pudding uh, in, in, in both uh, both the Steve Irwin today. The Steve Irwin one would be gluten-free, though, probably. Uh, oh, I, 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 
don't know, maybe, maybe, might, might be gluten-free. But, of course, the Christmas pudding uh, 150 years ago on the Shenandoah would have included beef tallow. It uh, would have included sago. So um, there you go. So, so two, two, two Christmas uh, lunches. Uh, 150, 150 years apart. But uh, the other thing Lining said about that Christmas dinner, he said, isn't it wonderful? We are 56 days out of port. Um, so presumably that's, uh, that wouldn't be Liverpool, that would be uh, the Madeira Island. 56 days out of port and we have such a spread for our Christmas dinner. But he did have I to mention... I wonder why. That, that's because their entire Christmas dinner was looted off the prizes <laughs> that they had taken along the way. So in fact, it was... Uh, nothing to do with the fact that they were 56 days out of port. It was the fact that along the way they had taken eight eight prizes and, and taken all of the food from those eight prizes. So I don't think it's such a miraculous achievement that they had uh, that Christmas dinner, but more a, um, a, a miracle. The Christmas miracle of theft uh, might, <laughs> might be right. the, the, the way to talk about it. So... Christmas Day, they had a massive Christmas dinner, but a bit, a bit miserable. Does, well, does the, it end nicely? It's a, it? it's a very wet ship, yep, and that's, that's yep. part of the problem. They are still in the roaring 40s, so um, Christmas, I'm afraid, was a bit of a damp squib. And as, as John said, there were lots of, uh, lots of family squabbles <laughs> in the lead-up to it, which, which doesn't make things happy as well. Oh dear, oh dear. Hopefully we're going to lead on to an exciting new year though, Rob. Well, um, because, of course, in, in the new year, and again, um, you can either call us foreshadowing or spoilers, but uh, we're, we're hitting across the... Now, I don't know at what point the Indian Ocean stops and the Southern Ocean begins, but, but presumably... I don't think there's a line or anything. No, no, well, no, no. But it, it will be interesting um, because um, I found a, a very interesting um, website. Um, it's called um, earthnullschool.net, and that gives a simulation of the world with the winds of the world mm-hmm. in, in kind of real time. I don't know quite how they do this, but if you if you go if you go onto that website and have a look, you can actually see the roaring forties as they go from Africa across to Australia. And at the moment, in um, in December of two thousand and fourteen, you can see though if you had to follow those winds, and the Shenandoah did, because its its propeller, if you recall, is out across the spanker boom. Um, you know, it's not it's, operative. It's, it's not operative. Depending on which way those roaring forties went, you could get down to the, um, you know, the, the fierce fifties because they, they would take you where they t- 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 took you, and you could get quite, uh, quite close to Antarctica. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how 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 far they do get on their on their voyage across to Melbourne, and uh, but we'll be covering that um, in the new year. So um, this uh, this is now, as I said, our our. our Ocean's 12th, 12th episode. I, I, I kind of see it as, as the end of the, the first season of um, Shenandoah Down Under or Confederate Pirates uh, Save the Whales. Uh, we'll be making a big move onto iTunes in the uh, the next couple of weeks. But until the new year, until the brave dawning of 2015, uh, this has been a Rob and Mob, Robert Love and Michael O'Brien with John Coleman. And Merry Christmas. And, yeah, and a Merry Christmas to you all, and may your pigs be slaughtered, and may you not fight with your captain. <laughs> Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Ahoy. Ahoy, yes. <laughs>